The discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls in the Judean desert between 1947 and 1956 was one of the greatest archaeological finds of all time. These extraordinary manuscripts appear to have been hidden in the caves at Qumran by the Essenes, a Jewish sect in existence before and during the lifetime of Jesus. They're written in Hebrew, in Aramaic and Greek, and the scrolls have changed our understanding of the Hebrew Bible, early Judaism and the origins of Christianity itself. And uh, this uh, acclaimed translation by Giza Vermesh, he's the world's leading Dead Sea Scrolls scholar. Um, this has established itself as the classic version and it's the complete Dead Sea Scrolls. So there's no mystery anymore about what they contain. But there used to be a lot of mystery and even scandal attached to the whole Dead Sea Scrolls discovery. Um, many people thought that the Catholic Church was trying to suppress um, the findings because for years uh, the contents of Dead Sea Scrolls was not made available to the public and a, a tight, tightly controlled group of mainly Catholic priests controlled the Dead Sea Scrolls and wouldn't publish them. And this understandably not only caused scandal, but also led to some interesting conspiracy theories about what was really going on. Maybe the scrolls contain information that would destroy uh, the very foundations of Roman Catholicism. And there were other theories as well. So I thought it would be a good time. Uh, now, this is not a news story, of course. This is not some kind of sensations revelation. Uh, this has all been in the public domain for some time now. But I, I'd like to share with you um, the thoughts of Giza Vermish in his book Searching for the Real Jesus. Um, as I say, he's the world's leading preeminent um, scholar of the Dead Sea Scrolls. He was there right from the beginning and he's written a few words on the secrets of the scrolls. What really happened when they were discovered? Why they were, were they covered up? Why weren't they published? What actually happened? And the the story is no less incredible for being perhaps less conspiratorial than some people have thought. So here we go. He says uh, on page 113, the Dead Sea Scrolls have not ceased to fascinate experts and amateurs alike since their discovery by Bedouins and archaeologists in the region of Qumran, which is obviously in Palestine, which is now unfortunately under military occupation in the 1940s and 1950s. The chief cause of the excitement was the antiquity of the scrolls, which antedate by a millennium. In other words, they're older than a thousand years, the oldest previously known copies of the Hebrew Bible. They also reveal for the first time a whole body of Jewish religious literature traceable roughly to between 200 BC and 70 AD. Of course, 70 AD is the cutoff point when the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans. Enthusiasm was further sharpened by the scroll's potential impact on our understanding of nascent Christianity, nascent meaning the beginnings of the Christian faith. However, the subsequent history of the scrolls has been one of delay, secrecy, and even allegation of scandal. Now, this is a key witness to all of these events. This is why his testimony is so important. Despite a century of exploration of the length and breadth of the land of the Bible, archaeologists had failed to unearth a single ancient Hebrew manuscript when, suddenly, 
between 1947 and 1956, a series of discoveries in 11 caves in the region of Khomran, as an occupied West Bank, yielded the remains of some 900 writings, a dozen rolls and tens of thousands of fragments. However, initial elation at the discovery which kind of hit the headlines across the world it was like the major news gradually gave way to increasing exasperation so what really happened for nearly 40 years a small editorial team retained complete control over the scroll fragments their secretiveness and procrastination which basically meant they delayed and they delayed and they delayed, became so pronounced that scholars, journalists and many interested laypeople began to ask whether delay in publication was deliberate and intended to hide something. Not surprising, really. Some speculated that the thousands of manuscript fragments from Cave 4 remained undisclosed because the Roman Catholic priests who made up most of the editorial team believed that the scroll's contents threatened traditional Christianity. International pressure for free access to the scrolls came to a head in 1991 when the Californian Huntington Library unilaterally decided to open its Quamran microfilm collection to all scholars. A month later, the editorial team and the Jerusalem Antiquities Authority, that's an Israeli um, agency, reluctantly bowed to people power and lifted the embargo they had imposed on three photographic archives outside of Israel, two in America and one in Oxford. Now, Giza Vermish is a professor at Oxford, a professor of Jewish studies. So he had direct access to these archives uh, when the embargo was released. And he, as I say, he is the, the world's leading translator of the complete Dead Sea Scrolls. You can read them all now in English to your heart's content. And now I haven't read the whole book. I've read a lot of it, but I've not read it all. Some of it is really quite dry, but some of it is interesting. So, what was the cause of the hold-up, asked Giza Vermesh. The conspiracy theory can be dismissed for a start. As one who has been acquainted with the scrolls from the outset, and he, of course, can read the Aramaic, the Greek, the Hebrew, every, he can read all the languages uh, himself, and he, and he says he has known all the dramatis personae, that is, all the key figures involved, I totally reject it as a figment of the imagination of some frustrated academics. There is no evidence to support it. So there's no conspiracy theory, according to Giza Vermesh. But there is an explanation, and this is, this is quite interesting. Incompetence can also be discarded as an explanation. Most members of the original team were distinguished scholars. And J.T. Malik, in particular, has demonstrated outstanding gifts in assembling and deciphering what must be the world's greatest of jigsaw puzzles because he got these thousands of fragments some little, little fragments like that the delay was really caused by the mass of scroll fragments unearthed in cave four the late father roland de Vaux, the father means priest so this is a roman catholic priest the late Father Roland de Vaux, an authoritarian French Dominican, it's a kind of a priestly order, in charge of the scrolls, made a double error of judgment. He recruited a team of 
what was too small as team of scholars that was too small for the task half a dozen mostly young scholars and instructed them to issue definitive editions in the preface of one of the volumes the the editor speaks of sufferings and tears when obliged to confront over 2000 worthless scraps of papyrus rejected by all his scholars this poor scholar was given this job and it completely demoralized him but later in the 1960s a fresh chill was added to an already cooling excitement some of the scholars resented the israeli takeover of administration of the scrolls in 1967. now giza vermish who is jewish himself and i probably zionist uh, he, he doesn't quite clarify this was a military occupation uh, an act of war when the israeli uh, occupiers came in and took over the whole area uh, by force so it wasn't just like they just kind of bought the place they took it over so and some of the uh, the christian priests objected to this not surprisingly because it was an act of war so some of the editors resented the Israeli takeover of administration of the scrolls in 1967. Father Vo, the aforementioned, refused to cooperate right up to his death in 1971. Well, understandable. The following year, a member of the team, the American Monsignor Patrick uh, Skiham, as another kind of priest, informed uh, Dr. Vo's successor, another French Dominican, that he would not allow his name to appear on a publication under Israeli auspices. So some of the scholars here are protesting against the uh, illegal occupation of Palestine. So there's a pol politics has come into this. Global politics, war has impinged on this whole kind of really obscure scholarly process. And, and then Giza Vermish makes an interesting comment, which says a lot about him, I think. His dilemma was resolved from above, from God, for he died in 1980 without submitting the typescript which he had promised for 1975. So you can see where Giza Vermish's sympathies lie here, really. Even as late as 1990, in a one-page preface to uh, Volume 8 of the official series, the, the third chief editor, John Strugnell, deliberately avoids any mention of the state of Israel, as he calls it, and refers only to uh, anonymous uh, governmental authorities. Well, it's an illegal occupation, so no wonder he doesn't want to give uh, credibility and uh, kind of legitimacy to um, a, a group of people who are illegally occupying Palestine. That's an understandable reaction. But clearly for Giza Vermesh, he sympathises with, quote-unquote, the state of Israel, giving it some kind of formal legitimacy. But of course it's committing an illegal act, according to international law anyway, and the United Nations. Anyway, leaving that aside, leaving aside the political implications, thank you Giza Vermesh, the survivors and heirs of the ineffective editorial squad adopted what can be best described as a proprietal attitude towards the scrolls over which they were trustees. By the way, the Israeli agency that came in and controlled this, he doesn't seem to have a problem with them, but he has a problem with the original um, editorial squad. Anyway, this is more politics. They began in the 1970s to hand over a, a parts of their assignment to doctoral students under their control. Otherwise, 
the unpublished texts continued to be kept under lock and key and not even a catalogue was made available. A catalogue presumably would be a list of all the, just saying what the fragments are, you know, this fragment X and Y and this is found here. Not even a catalogue was made available, which is a pretty, pretty scandalous, I agree. The 25 privately issued copies of a concordance listing alphabetically the words contained in the fragments were meant only for the elect. In short, Giza Vermish writes, the monumental mishandling of the Dead Sea Scrolls is attributable to prosaic causes. Prosaic meaning pedestrian, everyday causes. Nothing astonishing, nothing secretive or conspiratorial. Fundamental misjudgments by the priest Roland de Vaux and his successors and an unwillingness on the part of the editors to admit openly their inability to honour their grandiose undertakings. Now, I'm sure Giza Vermish is right. He, he knows what happened, but he perhaps omits another reason, and that is the traumatic impact of the illegal Israeli occupation of that area and the way that the scholars felt that they had to wrestle with this problem politically and professionally as scholars. And this caused further problems and further delays. So, and he doesn't kind of appreciate that, even though he kind of says it, he doesn't really highlight it as a factor. Hey, anyway, there we go. Finally, he writes, a brief word on the scrolls and the New Testament. This is interesting bit. Here the media, the media are guilty of having been too easily taken in by sensation. What, the media? Sensation? Or misguided scholars. Now this is something I find quite interesting and I'll come to this. I'll make some comments when he, when he says what he says in a second. Back in 1950, the late André Dupont-Sommer, if I pronounce his name right, persuaded himself that the teacher of righteousness, the chief character of the Dead Sea Scrolls, was a Christ before Jesus, one who was put to death, rose and was to be seen again, judging his enemies in an eschatological apotheosis. I love this jargon, eschatological apotheosis. Um, the theory turned out to be based on a mistranslation. What a shame. Anyway, Again, here in Britain, he writes, the late John Allegra. Now, a little side point here about John Allegra. He was actually a serious biblical scholar here, here in Britain. Really was. He was a genuine biblical scholar. I laugh because the poor thing, he, he ruined his career by uh, nothing to do with the Dead Sea Scrolls, but by arguing in an article that the resurrection appearances to the disciples were caused by the disciples uh, digesting magic mushrooms and they had hallucinations and that's why they thought they saw Jesus. I, I kid you not, uh, magic mushrooms? Yeah, maybe. Anyway, uh, he, he after that, his credibility as a scholar kind of was shattered and um, a lot of ridicule came his way. So anyway, back to the Dead Sea Scrolls. Again, here in Britain, the late John Allegro stole the headlines with his claim that the teacher of righteousness was a crucified Messiah. I mean, if that was true, it would be amazing news. But it's John Allegro. But when the text on which he relied was scrutinised, it became obvious that it was not the teacher who was crucified, but the political opponents of a Jewish leader plotting against him in connivance with a Syrian Greek king. So, more bad scholarship, I'm afraid, from the late John Allegro. And then, slightly more up to date, in uh, 1991, 
Professor John, uh, sorry, Professor Robert Eisenman, who is still very much with us, uh, an American academic, was reported uncritically by the Times, the Times of London, I assume, as having found in a five-line Qumran fragment evidence that the Quran, that com the community, believes in a messianic prince of the congregation, branch of David. That's a quote. Who was violently put to death. When I carefully checked his theory, says the great Giza Vermesh, when I carefully checked his theory in the Oxford Centre's Qumran archive, the conclusion became inescapable that Dr. Eisenman had misunderstood the text, which is related to the already known war rule, which speaks not of the Messiah's death, but of the annihilation by him of the forces of darkness. Again, another really possibly explosive uh, finding turned out to be nothing. Given the many genuine links, he writes, Giza Vermish, between the Dead Sea Scrolls and the New Testament, who needs imaginary ones, however dramatic? The Qumran community and the primitive Jewish Christianity should be viewed as parallel dissident movements springing from the first century AD mainstream Judaism. So both what became Christianity and the, Quran, the Dead Sea Scrolls Essenes were both, according to him, dissident movements coming out of mainstream Judaism. Both of these groups believed that their destiny was divinely foreordained and predicted. Both venerated their respective founders as revealers of the ultimate truth. Both claimed to be the true Israel. Both awaited the imminent end of time. Both were beginning to be puzzled by the continued postponement of the day of the Lord. And that's the end of that chapter. So there we go. Um, that's my own critical appraisal of, of Giza Vermish's own critical appraisal of the, uh, the scandal of uh, the failure of scholars to disclose the material from the beginning. I say my critical because he, he obviously has his own bias, shall we say, to certain political events um, in Palestine. Um, I'm just going to read just, uh, just another minute here. Um, there's another chapter on the Dead Sea Scrolls. What have we learned from Qumran? And this is to do with um, the Bible. I'm just going to read a, a couple of paragraphs and just recommend you if you want to read more about this and many other uh, aspects of the history of Christianity from the beginning onwards, I recommend this book. He writes on page 126 in a chapter entitled The Dead Sea Scrolls, to begin with the Hebrew Bible, 200 mostly fragmentary Qumran manuscripts represent the whole of the Old Testament, except possibly Esther. By the way, Esther is an interesting, this is me speaking now, Esther is an interesting book of the Bible. It's a lovely story. It's a shocking story. Great, great, great uh, story. Go, go and read it for yourself. What's curious about this uh, book of the Bible is that it never mentions God. God just doesn't appear anywhere. Anyway, back to Giza Vermish. The uh, Qumran manuscripts agree in substance with the traditional scripture, the oldest complete Hebrew copy of which dates to 1008 CE. Now, do you know what he just said? He says the oldest complete copy of the Hebrew Bible now 
dates to a thousand about a thousand AD, one thousand eight. So it's not the Dead Sea Scrolls. The complete copy is still about a thousand AD. But the Qumran Bible discloses numerous stylistic differences, textual additions or omissions and changes in the order of the passages. So there are many, many differences between the Dead Sea Scrolls and the traditional Old Testament we have today. The Dead Sea Scrolls prove that the unified traditional text of the Bible, which we obviously have now, was preceded by countless variations and that we owe the definitive form of scripture to the authoritative intervention of Jewish religious authorities around 100 AD. So this shows that the edition we have now, the complete edition of the Bible, is from about 1000 AD, which is a thousand years after the time of Jesus. The text before then, and the, the Dead Sea Scrolls bear witness to that, uh, bear witness to numerous differences, textual additions, missing bits, changes in the order of passages. Isn't that interesting? But it's not surprising if you have uh, read the Old Testament in a good modern translation, which I recommend like the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version. If you look at the bottom of the page, you'll see lots of little notes left by the modern scholars. And they will often indicate alternative readings or the meaning is unknown or there are other variants or there are other. There are lots and lots of ifs and buts and whatever. So the main body of the text that we read, that we read out, say, in church, is a scholarly construction. It's a view of what the translators think is the probable text. But oftentimes we don't know what the text actually was. Um, don't take my word for that. Just go and get a, a good modern translation of the Bible. Look at the critical apparatus underneath, as it's called, the scholarly notes, and you will see all of this. Virtually on every page you will see, well, there's a variation here, or possible meaning unknown, or it could mean this, or this particular uh, passage is according to the Septuagint, or the Dead Sea Scrolls, or the Masoretic text, or the, what would be another one, the Samaritan um, Torah. There's another version of a Torah belonging to the Samaritans and so on and so on. The Septuagint, particularly the Greek translation of the Old Testament books done about 200 BC is very important in a witness to a text that predated our modern understandings of the Hebrew Bible. Anyway, that's enough about this entirely different subject. I um, hope that was of interest. Till next time.